Well, welcome to our 10 o'clock service. Um, all of you here live, and again, those of you who are watching online. If you haven't been here before, if this is your first time back in a while, today we are wrapping up um, this series called Adam and Eve, where we've been focusing on the challenges faced by both men and women. And in the process, hopefully, we've been learning how to love one another better. And in this series, we spent the first couple weeks really focusing in on our women. Um, we spent a week talking to our singles. Um, we've talked a little bit about parenting in this series. Pastor Amanda brought us a great message on the topic of parenting. We've uh, even focused in on our personal relationship with God. But uh, last week and this week as we end, we're going to continue to focus in on our men. So to get started today, um, if you're kind of looking ahead, you can go ahead and turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. That's where we're going to wind up today, Ephesians chapter 5. But in this series, we've really been looking in Genesis, and we've been looking at the creation story and the story of Adam and Eve. That's kind of what we've been talking about. And uh, today, men, we're going to talk about something that maybe you've wanted to know for a long time, and that is what women want. That's what we're going to talk about. And back in the 90s, I don't know how many of you have seen it, there was a, there was a movie starring Mel Gibson and Helen Hunt by that title, What Women Want. And, and in the movie, uh, Mel Gibson's character, I think he gets electrocuted, and all of a sudden, he can actually hear the thoughts of the women around him, and it starts to change him, and starts to change the person that he is. And so, on social media a couple weeks ago, I, I put up this question, and I asked, what is it that women want? And I got some interesting answers from the women in our church. And so, I want to share with you, some of them were, were kind of interesting and funny. Um, like this, functional pockets. I never thought about that before. Um, sometimes women in your attire and the things that you wear, I guess pockets can really be a challenge. We don't think about that as men. Um, a man who can cook and do the dishes. Amen, women? Massages with no strings attached. That was another one. More shoes. Anyone need more shoes this morning? Or a bigger closet. Anyone need that? Some folks out there. There were also some really like thoughtful and deep answers. So here's, here's some of those more thoughtful answers too. Um, someone said courtesy, lo uh, love, and a listening ear. Equal opportunities. Security. To be told I'm beautiful even when I don't feel like it. Acceptance for who I am. And I just love one answer that somebody messaged me and it said this, it said, which day is it? It depends. <laughs> and I think that's a great answer because women, you gals can be confusing sometimes. Okay. You are beautiful and yet complex creatures. And I know this is true because you guys can confuse even yourself. Sometimes my wife, Julie, um, she'll start like tearing up over dinner and I'm like, hon, why are you crying? We're eating dinner. Was there too much onions? Was the curry too spicy? Because I'm Indian and that's how we roll. And she'll be like, I don't know. I think it's just because our whole family is here sitting together around the dinner table. And Liberty just graduated from high school. And pretty soon she's going to maybe do other things as a grown-up. And then the other kids are going to leave. And, and there might not be many moments like this anymore. Or maybe it's because there are kids in other places in the world that don't get to sit down with a family. In fact, there are kids in other places in the world that need Jesus, and that just kind of breaks my heart. And I'm sitting there kind of confused because Evil Knievel couldn't have made the mental leap that she just made through that conversation. But, but women can be complicated, 
And you can have multiple thoughts and, and multiple needs, and, and you can leave us guys scratching our heads. I mean, we have our own things as guys where we can be crazy in our own way. But women, you all can be confusing sometimes. Like, you, you can leave us really baffled. And my wife always tells me, she, she has a, a thing that she says. She says, it's a woman's right to be able to change her mind. Amen, women? That's what she says. And, and to make things even more complicated, different women enjoy different things. And sometimes the same woman enjoys different things at different times. Some women like to be treated like a princess. They like to get pedicures and, and manicures and massages. Their idea of roughing it is staying at a five-star resort. I'm kind of with them on that one, okay? Other women love the outdoors. They like to go hiking, canoeing, camping. They like to pretend they're homeless. More power to them. Some women would never pick up a hammer or get under the hood of a car. Others, like my wife, drool over power tools at Lowe's, and she loves building and fixing things. And then some women aren't even really kind of honest with themselves about what they like. I mean, your husband or boyfriend is like, hey, where do you want to go out to eat tonight? They're like, I don't care anywhere. All right, let's go here. No, I can't eat there. It's a little too greasy. Okay, well, where do you want to go? No, you pick. You decide. You decide. Well, how about we go here? Nah, I didn't like that place last time. It's like, seriously? I, I had a guy post that online where, where he complained about that, and one of the women responded last week, and she said, my problem is I like an appetizer at one place, an entree at another, and dessert at a third, so leave me alone, okay? So, so we could go in a lot of different directions when it comes to identifying what women want, but I think that today I, I can kind of unpack what women want when it comes to the idea of relationships. See, see, it doesn't matter if you're married or if you're single. I think I have a pretty good idea when it comes to relationships, what every woman wants. When it comes to relationships with men, every woman wants to know this, that he will love me, support me, and believe in me always. Always. Every woman desires a relationship where they can trust their partner to stand with them and believe in them and love them always. And married men, that's a commitment we are called by God to really give our wives, even when times are tough, even when things get hard, even when there's conflict that comes up. Men, we're not called to flee from conflict. We're called to fight for our marriage and for our spouse. Notice I said for our spouse not against our spouse. And this is clearly taught throughout scripture. When we look at Genesis chapter two earlier in this series, we saw that God created everything, right? You remember the creation story? And after he created everything, you know, the sky and the seas and the plants and the animals, every time God said something, he said, it is what? Do you remember? Good, it is good, it is good, it is good. Until he got to creating Adam. And after he created Adam, then God said something different. He said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Single women, we told you this was a great pickup line for you to use. Remember, you can walk up to a guy and say, God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. What are you doing for dinner tonight, right? But in the garden, God said he was going to remedy the problem for Adam by making him a helper, a partner in life, an equal next to him to go through life with him as his support and his helper. And so God put Adam in the recliner and he turned on the golf channel so he would go to sleep, right? And Adam fell into a deep sleep and then God created his ultimate masterpiece, which was woman. 
And we talked about how Eve's first relationship, just like Adam, her first relationship was with who? God, that's right. And, and this, is, this is where Eve was able to find her true identity in her relationship with her Heavenly Father. And we said that this is where all of us should ultimately find our true identity with our Heavenly Father, that we are sons and daughters of the King of the universe, our Father who made us, who loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to lay down his life for us on the cross. And then God introduces Adam to Eve. And, and like, like how many of you singles who are here, any singles, raise your hand if you're single this morning. How many of you singles would like to be hooked up in a relationship by God himself, right? Like that would be awesome. That would be, forget Eat Harmony, forget Christian Mingle, forget that find a farmer one. <laughs> You don't got to be lonely at Farmers Only. If you have not no idea what I'm talking about, Google it after church today. It's absolutely hilarious. But, but Adam and Eve didn't need any of that because they had God. And God is absolutely perfect when it comes to setting people up. And so God introduces Adam to his wife Eve. And Adam is like, whoa, man, check her out. And God is like, that's right, Adam. That's a whoa, man. And then God does their wedding. And it's an amazing wedding. And then they have their honeymoon. And it's crazy, right? They're in paradise, and they're naked, and there's fruit involved. This is all in the Bible, okay? I, I told you guys you should read your Bible more. It's really interesting. But then they go from love and a wedding to rebellion with God. And isn't it interesting that Satan doesn't show up in the story until after the marriage of Adam and Eve? See, marriage is supposed to be an example on this side of eternity of Christ's relationship with us his church. And when the marriage of Adam and Eve came together, Satan said, I don't like that. I don't want that to happen. Now I'm going to attack. And this is Satan's MO. Whenever God starts to do something great and there's movement and there's love, he likes to come in and he likes to attack and he likes to divide. The reason I think many marriages fail in our nation and even Christian marriages, unfortunately, many fail in our nation is because I think more time is often spent preparing for the wedding day and not the marriage. Those of you who know me, you, you know my, my education and my background is actually not in theology, it's in pastoral counseling. And over the past 20 years, I've had the privilege to counsel numerous couples preparing for marriage. In fact, now I will not marry a couple unless they're willing to go through premarital counseling. I'm like, are you, are you ready to put the work in now or do you want to pay for some divorce attorneys a few years from now? And one thing I've told every single couple that I've had the privilege to marry is to remember that the wedding is just one single day in their life, but the marriage... The marriage is meant for a lifetime, and so it requires effort, and it requires work. See, the, the average wedding in America today costs around $25,000. That's crazy, right? Um, th there's a show right now on Netflix called Marriage or Mortgage. I don't know if you've seen it. I've seen a couple episodes of it, but it's insane. In, in this show, the premise is couples literally can choose between getting their wedding paid for or getting a down payment on their first home. Like, that's insane to me, especially if you've got daughters like me. That's a terrifying thought, how much a wedding is going to cost. I've got three daughters. They cannot date until they're 30. Sorry, Lexi, I apologize to you. I mean, it's that much money for one flipping day, one day. 
Those of you who've been bridesmaids, you know how much money is spent even on a bridesmaid dress that you will probably never wear again because most of those bridesmaids dresses are horrendous, right? They're hideous. Uh, Another reason why I like being a man is we can rent a tux at a wedding and then just return it, okay? But we spend so much money on a wedding that literally lasts for only a few hours, and then most couples go completely unprepared into a marriage. See, it doesn't take long after getting married for your spouse to get on your last nerve. Why does this happen? Because marriage is, in fact, a magnifier. All it does is it magnifies the stuff within each partner that's really been there all along. See, when two sinners get married, you don't wind up with sainthood. You wind up with the exposure of a lot of sin and baggage that both parties carry into the relationship. And those little quirks in your spouse that you originally thought were cute now make you think about killing them, right? So, for example, you get married and you soon learn that one of you likes to put the toilet paper on the roll one way while the other one does it the correct way, right? Or or one of you is an OCD neat freak and the other is a little bit of a slob. There could even be differences on how you use a towel, Many women will use one towel and throw it in the dirty towel bin. Most of us men, we can use the same towel over and over and over again until it has stuff growing on it and it crawls away to escape us and then just disintegrates, right? We do that with our socks and underwear too. Sorry, ladies. When you get married, there can also be financial tensions that start to come out. Because before you get married, you don't really know how the other person manages money and how they handle, handle money. Women can easily spend $200 at the mall if they go shopping or on their nails or their hair. Men usually don't spend on those kinds of things. But us men, we like other things, right? We like extravagant toys, the newest power tool, season tickets for our favorite team, golf clubs, a big screen TV, a new car or truck. And money and spending often becomes a major source of conflict in a marriage relationship. Then there's family of origin issues that can come out. Because when you get married, you don't just marry each other. Did you know that? You also get married into each other's families. And all the baggage that comes with that is added to the relationship. A mentor of mine, uh, Pastor Perry Noble, um, who, who really was uh, instrumental in, in helping develop me as a, as a pastor early on before I you know, planted a church, um, he, he told a story about a couple who got married, and they had an incredible honeymoon, and then they came home, and they started to set up and decorate their new house. And the wife set up the kitchen, and then the husband came in behind her and started to change everything that she did in the kitchen. Some women are getting mad already. Hold on, it gets better, okay? So the wife changes everything back again. And she says, honey, I don't think you understand. I like my kitchen like this. And the husband continues talking with her and he starts changing everything back again. He says, yeah, but this is how my mom always does it. Mm, Yes, women. Yes, he said that. Some of you are thinking he must die. And so she began to tell him how she really felt about his mother, using various words that were not uplifting or godly. And men, if you haven't figured out this truth yet, this might help you out. Let me help you. She doesn't care how your mama did things. She wants to be the number one woman in your life. And then there's tension regarding physical intimacy. Did you feel that? It just got a little bit tense in the room right now. I felt it. 
But you see, married people can get in the mood at different times. Imagine that. Have you heard the old joke, how do you know if a guy is in the mood? He's breathing, right, that's right, he's breathing. Meanwhile, she might be in the mood every leap year. <laughs> or when he does the dishes, the laundry, and puts the kids to bed, which might be every leap year, right? And without real communication, even on an uncomfortable topic like sex and physical intimacy, there's not going to be resolution. And it can start to create conflict in the relationship. So you're both going to need to talk through that and learn how to work through that, through that tension. Because again, everybody prepares for the wedding, but very, very few people prepare for the marriage. And as a result, as a result, they can wind up getting into a lot of trouble. And Adam and Eve were like that. I mean, they get married, they're having this beautiful honeymoon in paradise, and then they get attacked by Satan. And they both sin, and they both rebel against God, and then God shows up, and he has some questions for Adam and Eve. And as we look at this passage of scripture, here's what I want you guys to do this morning. I want you to, to put yourself in Eve's place during this part of the story. And I want you to just try to imagine and have some empathy for what this must have felt like for her. If you have your Bibles, we're picking up in Genesis chapter 3 in verse 8. They have rebelled against God. They have eaten the forbidden fruit. And then this is what it says. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they did what, church? They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So they now know the difference between good and evil. They realize we have disobeyed God. We have sinned against God. And so now they decide to try to hide from God, which is kind of funny because that's impossible, right? Genesis 3, 9, picking up. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Adam answered, I, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. So God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Now, this is Adam's big opportunity. This is Adam's opportunity to completely come clean, say, yes, Lord, I have sinned against you. I was not there to support my wife and protect her. Lord, I rebelled against your word. I am so, so sorry. Will you please forgive me? But what does Adam do instead? Picking up in verse 12. The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So Adam definitely plays the blame game. Eve plays the blame game a little bit too, but at least she doesn't throw her husband completely under the bus, right? She could have said the pathetic man, God, that you told me was going to love me and support me and believe in me and take care of me always. Um, he did nothing when the creepy snake showed up. He didn't pick up a stick and hit it. He did nothing. He didn't say run Eve, but she didn't blame her spouse, the way that Adam did. She put the blame on the serpent and she also admitted what she did. But how would you have felt being Eve in this story? The man, her husband, who's supposed to love her and support her and believe in her always just completely throws her under the bus. He's basically like, look, God, she was your idea. I didn't even ask for her. You said it was not good for the man to be alone. You brought her into the picture. I think maybe you should kill her. And then he looked over at Eve and he's like, you know, baby, it was fun while we were naked in the garden with the fruit. That was all great. But you messed up, girl. You're on your own now. That's what Adam did. 
And so God then goes to address each of their sins specifically. And then what he does is he kills an innocent animal as a sacrifice for their sins. And and he clothes them, covers their nakedness with the animal skin. And he allows them to leave them the garden in freedom. And man, this is a, a real lesson for us to learn from the story of Adam and Eve. And it's a lesson of accountability, not only to God, but also to our spouse. For the men today, the best thing that we can do is to ask God to specifically convict us of our own sins in our life, to ask God to, to reveal to us, to create in me a new heart, to reveal to me, God, the things in my life where I'm falling short, not only personally, but in my marriage, with my kids, whatever it might be. And women, the same goes for you. Your your job is to ask God to convict you of your sins. Our job as Christians, as followers of Christ, is really to examine ourselves, not to heap judgment and condemnation on others, especially our spouse. And if men and women would be willing to do this, to work on ourselves instead of attacking each other, God will use the work that you do on yourself to inspire and influence those around you, including your spouse. So today as we focus on our men and wrap up the series, we're going to briefly look at three times that a man is likely to throw his wife under the bus the way that Adam did. And hopefully we won't make the same mistakes. So men, if you're taking notes, here you go. Number one, one time where we can be like Adam and throw our wife under the bus is when we're being selfish. When we're being selfish. All of us struggle with selfishness. One of the first words that little kids learn are no and mine. Okay? I've got a toddler in my house right now. My youngest, Lincoln, is going to turn two in August. We have to deal with this all the time. He picks up everything in the house that belongs to somebody else, cell phones, remote controls, and he says it's mine, and he won't give it back. Have you ever seen a bunch of little toddlers around a, a, a toy box together? They sound like the seagulls in Finding Nemo. Mine, 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 mine. We can all be selfish. I learned just how selfish I was when I got married. And I realized that I had to start thinking about another person's needs and wants instead of just my own. I really started to learn how selfish I was when I had kids. And I had to sell my 5.0 GT Mustang convertible to get a minivan. Like that hurt my selfish heart. Okay. The other problem I have, which most men have, is I like new. I want every gizmo and gadget that comes out, especially if Apple made it. And, you know, men, maybe you can relate to that. Maybe for you, it's, you know, the new pair of golf clubs or the new outfit or the new car. But there's a big danger when we're selfish and when we're always chasing something that's new. Because, man, what happens when we get married and the new starts to wear off? Because let me tell you, it will wear off. So what do you do when the new wears off? Well, let me tell you what a lot of men do. A lot of men begin to bury themselves in other things. They'll dive into a career and they'll sacrifice their family with the number of hours they put into work. Or they dive into sports or a hobby and it starts to dominate their time. Men, if you want to be a great husband and a great father, then being a husband and being a father, those things need to be your priority in life. Are you present in the lives of your family? 
Now, don't get me wrong. It's not a sin to play golf. It's not a sin to love sports. It's okay and even healthy for a man to take some time to rest and to enjoy something he likes on occasion. But men, when we pour ourselves into work or into a hobby and neglect our family, make no mistake, we are choosing to be selfish, and there will be consequences for that. Consequences that we may deeply, deeply regret and may permanently impact us and our family. Some men dive into an affair and they justify it saying, well, I'm a man and she's not meeting my needs the way I need her to meet my needs. So what you're saying, sir, is that you're going to break your vows before God and betray your marriage because she's not worshiping you and doing everything that you want her to do. What you're basically saying is that you want to be worshiped and served as God. Man, that is the epitome of selfishness. Instead, we are called by God to do this. In Ephesians 5, 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Man, we are called to love our wives the way that Christ loves the church. When Jesus Christ walked the earth 2,000 years ago, he didn't focus on his rights Because if he demanded his rights, we would have all been doomed and condemned to hell. Because that's what we deserved. Instead, he focused on his responsibility to save us, to save the world. Thank God for a savior who came and humbled himself and focused on his responsibility to pay for our sins so that you and I could have grace and forgiveness and be made new and be reconnected to our heavenly father. Man, if we want to be men of God, we don't have time to focus on our rights. We've got to focus on our responsibilities as a husband and as a father so that she knows that you will love her, support her, and believe in her always. Number two, man, we can be tempted to throw her under the bus when she makes a mistake. When she makes a mistake, when she messes up. And guess what? Newsflash. She's going to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. I mean, I'm the pastor of this church. I screw up all the time. Ask my wife. That's why we regularly say there are no perfect people in this church because none of us are God. We're all human beings. My wife, Julie, came to me a a few years ago, um, and she was pretty upset, and she said, she said, hon, there's a problem with your car. Now, it's serious when your wife says your car, okay? Because when you get married, everything becomes ours. And for the single guys here, you need to understand that. What yours becomes hers, and what's hers is still hers. That's just the way it works, okay? I digress, but when I did um, couples counseling for many years, I would see guys come in all the time who had private bank accounts that they withheld from their spouse and they tried to control all the finances like their wife was a child. I think it's ridiculous for guys to try to hold private bank accounts when they've been married to a woman for years and she's the mother of your children. She's not your property, bro. She's not your child. She's your wife. But back to my story, Julie pulls out a paper and she tells me that she forgot to pay the renewal for my license plate, for, the, for my tags, which she had promised me that she was going to do. And I had asked her and reminded her actually several times, and she had told me that she was going to do it, but she didn't. And so now I had to go down to the motor vehicle department, the most cheerful place on earth, right? 
and I had to stand in line all day and pay a penalty because my tags had expired. Now, I had a choice to make. I mean, I was upset. She said she would handle it. It didn't get handled. Now there was going to be a big hassle that I had to deal with that I hadn't planned for that was going to ruin my week. I could have ripped into her. I could have humiliated her in front of the kids. But then I started to remember some of my screw-ups that year. That speeding ticket I got. The time I rear-ended a pole in her car. And the list went on. See, men, it, it's so easy sometimes for us to focus in on our wife's mistakes like Adam did and completely discount our own, isn't it? Jesus talked about how easy it is for people to fall into this trap where we complain about and demonize somebody else and fail to look at ourselves in the mirror. He said, stop looking at the sawdust in your brother's eye while you have a big plank sticking out of your own eye. So here's what I did. I put my arms around Julie and I said, don't worry about it. I'm going to deal with it. Our women will make mistakes. Bills will go unpaid. A car might get dinged. You might get ignored when a little baby comes into the picture. Because guess what? Little babies are really needy. But here's what scripture tells us. Husbands, love your wives the way Jesus Christ loves his church. But pastor, you don't know my wife. She's crazy. Okay, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Maybe she is, but guess what? Jesus married the church. <laughs> you want to talk about crazy? Some of the craziest people I've ever met in my life have been church people. Some of the most hurtful things ever said about me or my family didn't come from the mouth of an unchurched person. It came from the mouth of a church person, someone who said they were a follower of Christ. But if Jesus can still love his crazy church after 2,000 years, then we can love our wives through anything. Anything. Number three, last one, and then we'll, we'll land for today and for this series. We can be tempted to throw our wife under the bus when a storm comes. When a storm comes. We can be tempted to throw her under the bus when the storms of life come. But pastor, I thought bad things only happen to bad people. Uh, no. <laughs> like that's some jacked up theology if you believe that. Because this is what Jesus said to the people he loved. I mean, the closest people to him in life. Jesus said this in John 16, 33. In this world, you will have trouble. Trouble is coming in this life. When it comes to storms, here's the deal. You've either just been through one, you're in the middle of one, or one is around the corner. Your kid might get sick. You might get sick. You might have a prodigal child that wanders away from the Lord. You could lose a job. All of these are storms in life that could potentially test your marriage. Men, what if she got really sick? What if she got dementia? What if she forgot who you were and couldn't meet your needs anymore? Would you leave her and forget her? See, men, when we stood before God and took vows, we were supposed to actually mean things we said, like for better, for worse. And that means that no matter what happens on this side of eternity, no matter what storm we go through, that I'm going to choose to love you, support you, and believe in you always. Church, that's what every woman wants. Now, we can't have a right relationship with anyone, including our spouse, until we first 
can have a right relationship with God. Because when we have a right relationship vertically in our relationship with Christ, it gives us the ability to have a right relationship horizontally with those around us. So again, men, the scripture says this in Ephesians 5, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church that he gave himself up for her. Man, that's the challenge to all of us. We are called to love her, support her, and believe in her always. Can we pray together this morning with heads bowed, eyes closed? Heavenly Father, I, I know this is, this is convicting to many of us guys here in the building today and watching online. So for all the men in here today, if this is your prayer, God help me. Help me to love her the way Christ loves his church, that I'd be willing to give myself up for her. God help me to love her, support her, and believe in her always. Men, if that's your prayer this morning, would you just lift a hand and acknowledge, God, help me to do that. I need your help. Praise God. Praise God. The hands of godly men up throughout this room. As I said this morning, though, sometimes it's very hard for us to do that, to break patterns of, of selfishness and blame and all of these things when, when we don't first have a relationship with Jesus. That relationship is critical. Just like with Adam and Eve, our relationship with God comes first before we can really have a healthy relationship with anybody else in this world. So if you're here this morning or watching again online, whether a man or woman, teenager, and you would acknowledge today, you know what? I, I need to take a first step. God, I want to have a relationship with you. I want Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. I believe he died for me to pay for all my wrongs. I want to move my faith off of myself and everything that I've done. And I want to move it on to Jesus, my Savior, who loves me, who died on the cross for me, who rose again. If that's you this morning and you would like to receive Jesus as your Savior, would you just lift up a hand and say, Pastor, that's me. Would you pray for me? I need Jesus in my life. Is anyone here this morning? For those of you watching online as well, just lift up a hand to acknowledge. Again, I believe this is the greatest decision anyone could ever make in their entire life. So I'll ask one more time. Is there anyone here who needs Jesus this morning? Say, would you pray for me? Praise God. Praise God. Let's pray together then. Heavenly Father, thank you for being the God who loves us, the God who cares for us, the God who longs for a personal relationship with each and every one of us. Lord, help us to find our identity in you as our heavenly father, to realize that we are sons and daughters of the king of the universe. Father, for those of us in here who are in relationships or married, father, help us to love our spouse, to love, support them and believe in them always. For the husbands here this morning, help us to love our wives as Christ loves the church, that we would be willing to give ourselves up for her, to lay down our lives for her if need be, to love her with that kind of an unconditional love. God, I pray that you will honor these prayers this morning. 
and these commitments this morning. We love you and we give you all the glory and honor and praise in your son's name, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together, continue to sing and celebrate what God is doing.
close in prayer, I just want to um, share one other little announcement with you guys. So this wraps up our Adam and Eve series, but we are really excited for this next series coming up. We've been talking about and planning it as a staff for a little while now. Um, we're going to be doing a series called Formed. And the bottom line really is that followers of Jesus are not spontaneously created, but they're formed. And we're going to be looking at the topic of spiritual disciplines and growth. And you're going to get to hear from each of our pastoral staff, myself, Nancy, Pastor TJ, Amanda. And then we're going to end that series on August 1st with a very special guest. Um, we are going to have um, Dr. Jerry Porter, the uh, general superintendent emeritus, who's going to come and speak with us as we have our Faith Promise Sunday on August 1st. And so we'll have more information about that to come in the weeks ahead. Let's pray together, though. Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for being the amazing God that you are. God, as always, we pray that you would give us wisdom to know what to do from what we heard today as we continued in this incredible story of, of Adam and Eve. But God, you would also give us the courage to do something about it, to not just pe be people who come to church, sit in rows for an hour, and then walk out of here unchanged, but that we would take your truth, that we would start to apply it into our lives so that we can step into the greater plans and the greater life that you have for us. Again, Father, we pray that you would honor decisions made today. We love you. We give you the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. God bless you guys. Have a great week.